everybody, and welcome to another special episode of the Half Gen Podcast. Now, you might be thinking, boy, every one of these episodes feels special. Um, and you're right, but this one takes the cake. It's the Half Gen Book Club, our most focused series of episodes, because there's only one topic, and... <laughs> 50% less tangents. It's true. It's true. There are most, most streamlined podcasts. Yes. I am Chris. Joining me, as always, for our wonderful book club is Ross. How are you doing, my friend? Um, read a book about Halo, so I'm doing pretty well. I listened to a book about Halo. I actually did that. That's yeah. indeed. Uh, let me just tell you, audiobooks, the best way to read a book. Because, <laughs> like... It's great because it's just it's it's time I'm already like wasting in the car. So now I'm doing something constructive. And I I definitely prefer listening to like I like, you know, having like a podcast or something on in the car cuz like it helps to pass the time. It's like, "Oh yeah, I'm right. almost it's almost like I'm in a conversation or something." So yeah, I, I, I enjoy that. having it, that especially when it's voiced by 343 Guilty Spark himself, you know. <laughs> Timothy Dodabo. Yes. Um, one thing. One thing I've liked because I actually do enjoy like physically reading a book. Amazon has this thing called WhisperSync, which is pretty dope. Where oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think. if you buy an audiobook, it'll you can buy the Kindle version of the book at a discounted price, and it saves your progress no matter which one you're on, and it just picks up from wherever you left off on the other. I enjoy that. You know, speaking of Amazon, Ross, the this Half Gen episode podcast, is brought to you by <laughs> this podcast is on Amazon now. Is it available on Amazon and Audible? I think that's what I'm told by Amazon because they sent me a thing. They were like, hey, they sent it to my podcast email because it's in the feed. And they're like, hey, why don't you submit your podcast to Amazon? Hmm. Click this link and give us your RSS feed. And I was like, all right, if it's that easy. And they were like, okay, you're done. So <laughs> we're on Amazon. Didn't even know they had podcasts. Fantastic. Yeah, they do. And we're there now. So one other place for people to not listen to me. I think there's more places for people to not listen to me than there are people who do listen to me. So this is Halo Primordium <laughs> we're going to go over. Hopefully the, the, everyone the, the in the pain chat on your it. face right there. <laughs> and then uranium's just like checks out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is the, the second book in the forerunner trilogy. Yes. Uh, it's after kind of a, an explosive start in cryptum. We get more of a character focused journey for the vast majority of primordium. Yeah, this this was a journey indeed uh, a great one some might say uh, <laughs> no, no it's nothing like that uh, <laughs> um this was not the book i was expecting it to be mm -hmm. for the majority of the book this was just not this was not at all what i thought i'd signed up for and, uh, it, you know, at first I was really like, I was like, is it, am I, is this the right book? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely, definitely feels that way. It sounds like the same characters, but like, I don't know. It doesn't, 
feel right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's when I first read this book um, originally, I remember that it was distinctly my least favorite of the three books, just because I think reading it as a trilogy, I think the pacing just completely just kind of destroys itself from the first book for me to where generally you'll have like multiple storylines going on and you'll bounce between them from chapter to chapter or point of views from chapter to chapter. And with how much lore and kind of background of the universe at the time of the books came out during Cryptum, uh, Primordium felt like to me originally that it needed those kind of other sections spaced in there to kind of break up the tale of Chakas and Venevra and Gamalpar, whether it was just seeing what Bornsteller was doing from his perspective or really anything else. Uh, and, and to be honest, the second time reading it, I have to say that my feelings haven't changed all that much on it. Um, it's still, and we'll see what happens when we reread or when I reread Salentium, that will be our book for September. Um, I'll have to see if that still holds up as my favorite, but Primordium is definitely my least favorite of the three, um, which is not to say that I think it's a, a bad book. It's like when we recently went over ranking like the Metal Gear series, Metal Gear Solid series, where all of them are great games. It's just varying levels and degrees of great. So that's kind of, those are my overarching thoughts on the book. How about you, sir? Yeah, sorry. I logistic stuff for an unrelated thing on Discord. My apologies. Um, my feelings are very complicated about this book. <laughs> uh, I think the first book did a much better job building up the Halo universe. Mm. But I think I ultimately came away enjoying this book better or more uh, because mm -hmm. it just it the payoff as the book goes on felt really good compared to Cryptum, which I think Cryptum pays off. But Cryptum is all about like Cryptum leaves a lot of things unanswered and sure, kind of sure. intentionally. Mm -hmm. And I feel like having Primordium be this kind of mostly isolated story um, allows it to be a more fulfilling overall experience because this feels so going to kind of get into the nitty gritty of this and we're going to just take this right off the rip with some spoilers here okay so if for whatever reason you didn't listen to the book what are you doing or yep. read the book what are you doing yep. jump in the story of chakas and how he is <laughs> so it's chakas as a monitor and he is being interrogated by the oni and the unsc uh, after they found him, uh, and they're trying to get information on the didact, uh, because remember this all takes place, you know, they, well, this isn't a timeline. The, the, the UNSC timeline is prior to halo four or yeah, around yeah, in and around halo four. Yeah, so post halo at, three pre halo four. Well, this yeah. would be post halo four. If they're looking, if they know about the didact, this would have to be post halo four because they only find the oh, didact yeah. because of the master chief. Yeah. Yeah. As far right. as I'm aware, right. unless you know something I don't, I'm not trying. Yeah. No, Sorry, that's I, right. yeah. okay. I'm just making uh, sure I understand where we are. <laughs> e either that or no, I think you're right. 
Yeah. So they recovered a they recovered a fragment of this monitor. And I think from the arc. It. From the arc. And, yeah, Correct. around the arc after the the boom at the end of mm-hmm. Halo Three, which again, if you haven't played Halo Three, it's one of the best games of all time. You're go to hell. I don't know. <laughs> yep. I this is a hill I will die being aggressive toward other people on. <laughs> Ross fully endorses that stance. Haven't played Halo 3? Go to hell. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Suck it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so it, it's the story and, and it's Chakis as this AI who's like slowly deteriorating and him just being like, look, I know what you want to hear, but I'm going to tell you in a way that makes sense to me. And it's basically an excuse for him to tell his story uh, about how he's been on this ring. Do we want to just get into the big reveal right now? Yeah. Chakis, and this is, oh my God, if you, the the audiobook, voiced by Tim Dadabo, voice of 343 Guilty Spark, you had to know it was coming. At the end of this book, as Chakis is finishing up his story, the voice starts to get a little tinny, a little robotic, and very familiar as it slowly turns to 343 Guilty Spark and him just being like, I am 343 Guilty Spark, and Chalkis is 343. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Riser. I thought yeah, for sure yeah. it was going to be Riser. It's the, the, Riser the, the Riser voice that Tim Dadabo does is much closer to Guilty Spark than the Chalkis voice. I can well, even the, even the first audiobook, I thought his was more of like a, like the cadence the, that everybody mm-hmm, gives him, yeah. I felt like was going to be more of a 343 uh, oh, yeah. or a guilty spark, but like Bait he's switch. guilty spark. And I loved it. Yep. I loved it. Just that moment when it kicks in. And even though you kind of see it coming because you know, you don't have him voice the book unless he's in there somewhere. Right. But just having that happen when it happens, it was so good. I called Ross. Yep. Immediately. I immediately called him <laughs> in and the was car, like, yeah. I don't know how much of this book is left, but I need to talk about this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Just like, what a, what a moment, you know, mm, of just yeah, like, yeah. you know, as a, as a longtime fan. And it's like, I, I hate everything he did as guilty spark, you know, killing Sarge and, you know, overall inconveniencing, uh, the master chief's story. But I sure as shit respect what he's done. I respect why he did what he did understanding now kind of where he's come from uh, and, and understanding, you know, the, the millions of voices in his mind uh, of all these lost people and excuse me, like every, you know, the, the, the weight of carrying the remnants of the original human civilization, you know? Uh, And, you know, uh, uh, that would drive anyone insane. And, you know, by the end, he kind of came to grips and it was just really cool kind of hearing the story of the one like true mind behind Guilty Spark uh, and and how he, you know, got there, you know, in the end, you know, kind of hearing that story of how he finally became Guilty Spark. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And that's that's what I love so much about this trilogy is because it completely recontextualizes like sometimes minor sometimes major characters and story arcs that we've experienced in the games so like 
that's why I'm excited to play through the games again with you. Yeah. A, because they're Halo and they're fun to play through. Uh, and B, just it's like when we come across 343 Guilty Spark in Halo 1 and Halo 3, like when I play those games now, I don't there's a whole think new context. there's a whole new context. And I don't think of him as 343 Guilty Spark anymore. I think of him as Chakas. Like when I, like in the past, which, like, y- y- uh, which, oh, okay. Yeah. I was just going to say real quick, which I think is an incredible credit to, to yeah. Greg Bear and everything yes. they did to take this already established game and universe and very kind of naturally work it in, in a way that you can see, you can now view that character across this unrelated, ultimately unrelated trilogy of games mm. and just be like, it works. Yeah. It, ju- it just works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just like, I'm so happy because years ago when I first read these books uh, and over the years as, as Chris and I have just played Halo, I would be like, yo, dude, 343 Guilty Spark, you need to read these books. He's a human named Chakas. There's a whole backstory. I'm so happy I never you forgot that I said that. I never remembered you <laughs> saying that, but now that you say it, yep. I remember completely yep. I'm that so you happy did you forgot. tell me that. <laughs> I adjust my cushion real quick. Pardon me. Yep. No worries. But it's it's incredible. But yeah, um, you totally told me that. Yep. <laughs> God yep. damn and, it. <laughs> and when we were going through Cryptum and <sighs> and the the beginnings of Primordium and, and you were like, yeah, yo, who is 343 Guilty Spark? Is it going to be? And like you said, is, is it Riser? And I was just like, oh, good. He doesn't recall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean you don't know? Oh, oh it's, this is a perfect time to have Ross's memory. Thank goodness. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you just look at him in a whole different lens in his relation, even his relationship to chief, um, and how, how these books kind of recontextualize that obviously not directly because chief isn't around during the books. Um, but even with the next book, um, which will have some more development, uh, it's just all of his interactions have new meaning in the games now and it's really satisfying and i think i think greg bear is such a treasure to this franchise um and i i hope he comes back one day and writes yeah. writes another book i i will say i think he he get like in this book especially i think sometimes there's a lot of like very like i don't want to say like technical but it's definitely mm. a lot of like fluff there's a little bit of fluff, like how many times he's just like, oh, yeah, I estimated this to be X kilometers. This body of water had to be at least this and like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like a lot of kind of fluff sometimes. And it was just like kind of him it, it, at times. It just kind of felt like, yeah, you know what? I'm like real, real smart, like almost like a Tom Clancy sense of like, I know my stuff and I'm going to flex it, you know, and, mm. and not in the sense of like, you know, not just distant stuff, but it's just sometimes like this book more than the first book had some of that kind of like fluffy detailing that, you know, when, if you take that stuff out of the book, it doesn't impact anything. You can, you know, knowing at the estimation of how big that lake is does nothing for me, you know? And like, it doesn't right, like, right. you know, I, I understand, but then again, maybe that's different. Cause I understand the scale of a halo. And if you tell me there's a big ass body of water on a halo, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I've seen those. They're pretty big. They're kind of mm. like oceans. Uh, 
But then there were moments where like he's talking about like the ring moving and water and land and air, like evacuating the atmosphere and just floating off into space and stuff like that is really cool. And I like that detail, but sometimes I feel like he got kind of stuck in the, like the minutia and didn't really like, you know, it, it didn't need to, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, and, and that's it. like, it, that's a really small gripe. I realize that's very nitpicky. But it's something that I noticed as I was listening and it was just it was a lot of like just heavy detail where I didn't feel like it needed it. And then like, you know, there were some situations where I'm reading and I'm like, this is the stuff that I want the details on, you know. And there were times where I was just like, man, you know, I want to know more about this. And there just wasn't more there, you know, like Mm -hmm. when they first when they saw the first grave mine that they came across, that big mass of forerunners. And I wanted to know more about that. And then they just kind of got the fuck out of there as quick as they could. And I'm just like, no, I want, this is what I came for. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's kind of listening to this and getting back into like the destiny lore recently. I, I came to a realization about Bungie and it's that Halo is their hard sci-fi franchise which is star trek and destiny is star wars and they've created their own versions of both and they're both really good <laughs> all right destiny with the space magic halo I, with I, I, just yeah, technology I, I guess yeah yeah I, I, yeah i don't think either of those games really fits well into the broader scopes of those but i can see as a general as a general like you know, I, I could see that being a good explanation for somebody who had no clue what Halo or Destiny mm-hmm. was. Yeah. I think that would be yeah. a good thing. And then they, somebody could figure out from there, oh, I want to learn about Destiny or I want to learn about Halo. Yeah, I just finished, quick side tangent, just finished uh, re-watching uh, My Name is Vice four-hour video for the story from the beginning of the Destiny timeline to right before, right as Shadowkeep starts. So I have watched up. every video he's put out since the new season started. Yeah. There is some stuff that you should be watching. Yep. Yep. It's real good. Um, But yeah, so, you know, Chakis. So basically, if you remember the the final events of uh, Cryptum, is it ended with uh, Born Stellar getting to the Ark, meeting the librarian and stuff like that. And we didn't know the fate of Chakis or Riser. Uh, We find out at the beginning of this book that they were dumped on Zeta Halo. Uh, which at the time was the largest Halo uh, in existence. Uh, I think 30,000 kilometers compared to their average 10,000, which would be like installation 04 and Delta Halo was 05, right? Yeah. 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 Originally when, when the master builder created all the Halos, there were two separate arrays. One that consisted of the 30,000 kilometer rings and one that consisted of the 10,000 kilometer rings. The 10,000 kilometer rings are the ones that are from, that we see in the games. Um, the 30,000 kilometer ones um, are kind of their own separate thing. Uh, and and one thing that makes these books even cooler is that all of those little details that Bear put in and all of the settings there, this is the halo that Infinite's going to be on for anyone who isn't yeah. aware of that. So like... There's so much that they can build off of. And I know 343 loves Greg Bear in these books. Because, I mean, uh, like the Didact's physical appearance in Halo 4 was completely based off of Bear's description of 
him in Cryptum. Like there was a lot of back and forth early on like that. So I would not be surprised if they took some stuff from Primordium and put it into Infinite. Yeah, like the the big and, and that might be something where like those big like descriptive moments mm-hmm. do pay off because then it's like, OK, well, here's this whole zone. Like I kind of want to interact with that zone that like had the vines that would grow out and you couldn't mm-hmm. pass them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see some of those scorpions that they were eating. You know, I want to come across their village. Yeah, I yeah. want to find their village in. um infinite in, in infinite like yeah. i want to find that and have there be mention of like oh there were people here you know um it also i think puts into context some of the things like that ruined city on the halo uh in halo 2 you know that like mm, underwater yeah. segment uh, yeah. i think it puts a lot of context into that because it really goes into more detail on kind of how civilizations were brought to these rings and it makes sense that you know the 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 san Chayum, i think might have been on that one or something and you know maybe they built that city Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like yeah. having these ruins, it didn't make sense. You know, why would forerunners need these ancient ruins on this massive, you know, hospitable ring? Like, why would they build these old, like ancient structures? And it starts to make more sense. And it's like, oh, well, there were civilizations on them yeah. at one point. And, you know, here's a good chunk of humans, uh, including some from Erde Tyrene, a.k.a. Earth. Uh, and, and, you know, we we got to meet... I think one of my favorite parts of the book actually was getting to meet uh, the Lord of Admirals, which was he's, he's the, one of my favorite characters. The voice in Chakus's head, uh, and it was really cool during the like interrogation with Oni, where he got to come out and he was just like, "I am the Lord of Admirals." Yeah. <laughs> got yeah, to talk and, to Oni. Yeah, and they for, were just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, Fortencho is Forthencho, a great character, yeah. um, and uh, the whole concept of of, of geishas uh is really fascinating I, and even kind of terrifying in a way toward the end where Chakus woke up and they had extracted the geish from him they extracted Forthencho, and it's it, it was like described something like just this big chunk a big was taken chunk out of his, a hole in the back of like their, yeah it's like like a back big, like a bigger version of like the the port in the matrix where they jack in and you it's just, just like this put your fist in there and it's it's like oh my god like I didn't know that's how they did it. And it's and then you just see him kind of get weaker and weaker since he was taken out. And it's just like, I mean, that's one of the prevailing theories about Chief is that he, he has a geish that we haven't been introduced to yet. And there's a pretty common theory about who it is. I don't want to say it just in case, but remind me at the end of this Salentium uh, podcast and I'll bring it up again. Oh, but, is it something that's going to be hinted at at Salentium? Not that it's even hinted at. It's just... Uh, I kind of want to know. I can I can tell you. Okay. I kind of want to if, know. If, 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 you don't, if you're listening and you don't want to know, like mute it for like five, 15 seconds, starting now. The prevailing theory is that Chief's Geish is Born Stellar. The I Band. was going to say that! Yep. Born Stellar would be a really good one for that. So he that was like, going to be my guess. Genuinely, so he'll, yeah. So he like he will pop up in Infinite, and he's the like he's part of the reason that why uh, Chief was able to uh, evolve so quickly with the Librarian in Halo Four. Oh. 
So I would love to hear Born Stellar in in Infinite Man. You are what you dare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If like if he comes back and Mendic and Bias is in Infinite, like I don't care. It's it, it's all I want. <laughs> I mean, hell, Born Stellar was in Primordium. You yeah. know, on the topic of Born Stellar, uh, he shows up at the end. He yeah. he shows up as the didact, and he has a very similar word for word conversation uh, with Mendicant Bias as the actual didact had with him uh, in uh, Cryptum. But that was cool, and, and you know, seeing that reunion between him and Chakis, and, and having that moment of like, my friend, it's so good to see you, and like after. Chakis had spent a good chunk of the book like kind of cursing Bornsteller and being like, mm-hmm, this is yeah. all his fault. And then mm-hmm. seeing him and just being relieved and being like, oh my God, I know you. And just having Bornsteller be like, my friend, you'll not die on this day, you know? And just like, yeah. Yeah. And it just like, even it even goes like further with, you know, the relationship between the Forerunners and humanity at the time. Obviously, the original, the Ur Didact, still hates humanity. Um, we get in flashbacks from Forthencho when kind of Forthencho takes over Chakas's body sometimes throughout the book to converse with um, the gauge that's within Riser. I can't remember her name. Um, her name is complicated. Yeah, her name is very complicated. Um, that's her but name. Like, very complicated. But, <laughs> you, but you see <laughs> back then through those stories that Forthencho tells that the didact hated humanity, but he respected the hell out of them to an extent especially for then show um it's one of those things where humanity lost against the forerunners way more than they won but for then show did the best that any human had ever done against the didact with the overwhelming like, advantage that they had I, and i feel like that you know hey maybe there's a little captain keys there or maybe yeah. there's a little fourth then show in captain keys yeah. uh because you know keys the keys maneuver as we've discussed in previous book clubs no simple feat, <laughs> quite the the act of tactical brilliance against weapons that were inspired by forerunners. That's true. Uh, you know, it makes you think a little. Like maybe there was a little Lord of Admirals in Captain Keys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that's that, and that's, th- that's stuff to think about. Yeah, yeah, and that that's another great thing about kind of having those, especially the original Halo, having it be like having the story be so much more driven by like the environment and environmental storytelling, Mm -hmm. it allows three, four, three to really expand upon a lot of things in that world without it feeling like just cheap, like, uh, like retroactively putting in story just to do it. Like, yeah, the, the, the openings are there for them to take advantage of that in a really smart way. You're not remaking star Wars and changing who shot first. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, yeah, you're, it's, you're adding story where it was previously implied you're solidifying story. Right, right. And, that, and that's that's something I loved about the early Assassin's Creed games is that the kind of characters and targets that they took were characters and throughout history who either mysteriously disappeared or there were like questions around their existence or death and they kind of used the games to kind of finish off the stories of these people and that's what 343 has really done with the expanded universe here i just wish they could deliver in the games 
that's the one thing they haven't done yet is like really tell a quality oh, three, four, story. Three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the only thing they haven't done yet. They've told a lot of quality stories around Halo, mm, but they just haven't yeah. told us one in the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. And I hope, man, I hope infinite does it. We'll have to experience it on our own though. Yeah. Real, real. It's like they did all this great stuff and they were like, got everybody excited. Yeah. Halo infinite. And then they were just like, Oh, by the way, God, co-op's going to come a little later and then forge after that. Oh man. Well, at least there's multiplayer. Yeah. And you can only progress the battle pass through challenges, not match XP. Okay. Thanks. Just like, what are you doing? All your goodwill that you built up. What are you doing? You made Halo like the, into this thing that all of a sudden everybody was so excited for. And then you're just like, all right, now that you guys are really excited, here's some bad news. But none of that is the fault of Greg Bear. No. And well, <laughs> <laughs> we can't prove that it's not. <laughs> Uh, but what did you think of just the journey that was there for the majority of the book, which was uh, Chakas meeting up with Venevra and her grandfather, Gamalpar and kind of like really Gamal just, Bar. yeah. And really just kind of like, it was just an adventure of exploring the ring, obviously trying following her directions uh, that were imprinted within her. But... Well, actually going the opposite of her directions. Well, yeah. 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 Um, not but to, yeah, the, not you... to the Palace of Pain. No, no, sorry. Which we will definitely go to in Infinite. Um, yeah. yeah. The Palace of Pain. Yeah. The Palace but, of Pain uh, just sounds like a, a, like a concert that got canceled during covid like the palace of pain headliners including corn metallica <laughs> martin o'donald and the halo quartet <laughs> in, in case i don't know if you've heard but corn and metallica actually are doing a combined tour and they're just called corntalica oh metallica not metallicorn i was yeah metallicorn yeah. Yeah. Cortalica has its own ring to it, though. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, the Palace of Pain tickets available now. <laughs> yeah, it's either a rock concert or a WWE pay per view. Saturday and Sunday. Welcome to the Palace of Pain. Bang! All right. Uh, yeah. So that journey, I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. Um, it was. It had its ups and downs. Um. There were there were moments in it that I think like I, I I really liked. There were parts of it that really felt like it was dragging a bit. Um, again, like some of the fluff. Uh, there there were parts that like you know it's just like okay, how many times are we gonna have to describe an open field and a big body of water? You know, at a certain point, get to the point. You know, I feel like there was an hour in there that we didn't need. Uh, <laughs> but. You know, I, I'm not the author. That's not for me to 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 say. But um, I think ultimately, I like the the development of Gamalpar. I like how he, he and Chakis kind of connected on this level where they both have uh, their geishas. They both have their respective uh, voice in their head, and they never got to their voices never got to mm. talk to each other. Mm. Uh, but um, and then Venevra just sitting there being like, "You guys are crazy." Uh, <laughs> Yeah, more or less <laughs> and then eventually being like 
Maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but then they're all crazy, so who cares? Um, yeah. You know, Chalkis constantly, like, trying to think, like, man, I could just leave, but then I can't leave these people. And then, like, there's that weird thing where it seems like he's kind of falling in love with Venevra, and then he's totally not. Then, like, it kind of feels like it's thrust upon him, and he's just like, no, I said, damn it, I said no. <laughs> but Camelpar is like, Yes. um it it was it like and it's weird because i do overall like this book better but like there's just a lot of it that drags and the highs i think are higher but the lows are are lower when compared to cryptum Mm -hmm. uh it's just like it's this very personal character driven story and i really like chakis and what they did with him he seems like a little less of an asshole in this book even though like they keep trying to remind the reader that he was an asshole just talking all the time about like, Oh, if I was back on air day Tyrene, I'd have robbed these people blind by now, you know? Um, and then, you know, eventually meeting up with riser again and kind of having that comfort for him was, was really neat. Uh, and then, you know, as we said, born stellar, uh, and, and, you know, meeting like all these other monitors and like the the fake village and stuff like that yeah, was really the, cool. That was that was crazy. <clears throat> the people with no smell. Yeah, the people with no smell, man. Um, can we can we briefly talk about one of my favorite scenes in any Halo media ever that was in this book? Okay, which was Born Stellar and Chakas interrogating the Primordial. Yes, I loved that scene. Yes. Um, like Chakas is super hurt and he's un- already undergoing like the conversion into becoming a monitor at that point. But they go and confront the primordial for born stellar to speak with him about just kind of his existence and why he's there. Um, it's revealed that he's a grave mind, uh, which was already, I think heavily inferred. Um, but, um, let's see. I just have some notes here. Um, Primordial said that there's no difference between the Flood and the Precursors, which, again, uh, clarifies some things for us. Um, it also revealed that um, all of those years of the Forerunners, especially Faber, the Master Builder, uh taking humans and bringing them to the palace of pain. Um, because when humanity was fighting the flood, humanity was not getting infected. And oh my whole, God. And then the whole reason for Delta halo was for Faber to basically expose humans to flood to see why they weren't getting infected. And the primordials just like, it's not that they can't be infected. Just chose to flood can choose to infect or not to infect. And that that was like the moment where like the 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 whole reason they kept these people around was because they wanted to figure out how to defeat the flood because they were like the humans did it. We have to know how. And then that realization of the flood just being like, we chose not to. We chose you guys instead. Yeah. Fuck you. It's (laughs) yeah. We we deemed you unfit to carry. Sorry for the motorcycle in the background. It's all good. Um, we deemed you unfit to carry the mantle after you betrayed us and nearly eliminated all of us. Humanity was next to be tested, but their time would come when they would have, when they would be powerful enough and we would test them. 
you forfeited your right to the mantle, which is why we infected you and not them. And it's just like, it it really goes to show like, sure, the Flood are terrifying in the games. Like they're this mass, like all this biomass and just gross, kind of like the Zerg, like the Zerg always grossed me out. And the Flood is kind of in that, that same vein. But this really goes to show how crazy conniving. intelligent and conniving yeah excuse me that the flood can be and how long they can play the long game because they let they, they live can for play so the long. longest game they can they and can they, they they just were they were strictly out for spite so mm. much so that they led their enemy to believe that their enemy had like a cure and they did everything they could just to bring the realization upon them of like, they had nothing. Yeah. This was our victory. <laughs> yeah. And then in rage, born stellar, just the primordials in this reverse stasis chamber and born stellar basically turns a knob and makes the thing age a billion years and it turns to dust. And it's just like, and we keep saying born stellar, but we should emphasize it's born stellar as the didact. Yeah. He I is, think that's... He, he is referred to by this point as the didact. He mm. is only recognized as born stellar, um, by Chakis. Yeah. Uh, I think, and I he, think, he yeah. even he himself says only in my dreams, uh, mm. when asking, when he asked, are you still born stellar? He said only in my dreams. Uh, yeah. But he is at this point, for all intents and purposes, the didact. Yeah, I think in terms the of other just referring to didact, him, it's yeah. the easiest just for clarification to keep him straight. Yeah, no, but yeah, I, I just wanted to also just, you know, be yeah, clear. Yeah. He, he's obviously, he is the didact. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely love that scene. Uh, it's it's It was just that shocking realization. Just thinking about what you said before, and that would piss the real didact off so much. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and of course, I'm sure we will see him in some form again as well. Yes, uh, the fruits of all his labor. Because yeah. last we knew in modern Halo timeline, um, mm. the Idact is composed. Yeah. By the Master yeah. Chief. Which is interesting. It was not supposed to be able to work on the didact but it did and then i think the writer of that comic was the writer also of halo 5 so people were not happy about mm. the didact being composed because there was something that shouldn't have allowed him to be i can't remember the specifics but um yeah yeah it's it's kind of, I, remember, I think i remember him in halo 4 you know there was yeah. like an implication because it's the same thing he had the same thing that prevented the master chief from being composed Right. Because they used the composer and that was part yeah. of his evolution is yeah, that yeah, he yeah. didn't get composed. Yeah. And that and was the didact I... was also supposed to have, you're right. Yep. Yep. People huh. were angry about that and angry about Spartan black team just being discarded by the didact who were, were super cool characters in their own book that we will get to at some point, uh, unceremoniously discarded anyway. Um, yeah. And then that was kind of the big thing at the end of the book. Uh, besides us kind of fast forwarding to kind of back into the modern timeline with Oni, the Oni interrogation and 
Chuck is just straight up taking over the ship. Yeah, so it turns out 343 is, uh, Guilty Spark is still alive and in command of an Oni ship. And yeah, he's just gone. like, I will show you all of our lost time or something like, I don't know. But he's just oh, yeah. like, I will, I will commandeer your ship and I will show you what you want to see. <laughs> uh, well, no, his, his reasoning for it was that he wants to go find the spirits of Riser and Venevra. He wants yeah. to go find his friends. And that's why he takes over the ship to go. And that's and probably how we find them. Zeta Halo, honestly. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. he would and know where it is. Because and the only way that he knows how he could possibly get to them is the librarian. So he's really out to find oh, the librarian yeah, to right, get yeah. answers. Um, so he kind of puts everyone in the ship to sleep and flies away into the stars. I mean, he's taking them where they want to go. They wanted to learn all these things. No better yeah. place than the source. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. So... Yeah, it's 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 interesting because I feel like I feel like there's not as much to talk about with this book because so much of it was that journey uh, where it was character building, but there wasn't actually a lot that happened. Yeah, um, it, it is such a character focused experience, mm-hmm. and the payoff in that is really the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is the payoff of all of that is really like the last few chapters. Uh, where, you know, things start to get Halo again, and then you get this perspective on why Chakis is so important, why it's so important that we focus an entire book on him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then Riser had his whole little story chapter thing. Yeah. That was a mess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, to and, that thing. And, and I guess one of the kind of the coolest set pieces in the book, which we haven't touched on, which is, which happens at the end is that uh, Zeta Halo is going to impact a small planet. Uh, And so the geishas are with like taken out of the humans at the end and are given basically control of the ring to try and maneuver it out of the way or have, have the planet go through the ring, which is crazy. Yeah. So the Lord of Admirals is basically put in charge of everything by mendicant bias. Mm. And he is like, yes, the, the AI has promised us uh, a chance at revenge, you know? And he's like, we're going to, you know, he, he has decided that it is worthy for us to be able to defeat the forerunners on his behalf, you know? So he gives him control of the station and, you know, being that, you know, he has been with Chakis for so long, he basically takes Chakis as like his right hand man. And he's like, you're, you're going to work directly with me. He's like, I've already told the AI that you are in. And Chakis is just like, I don't want to be in. And he's like, we've, we've come this far, you know, we have to see this through, uh, you know, it's for our people. And so they distribute all these people around the station, you know, with the cartographers and stuff like that. And then there's like this fleet that shows up and they're just like, well, we can't worry about the fleet because either they're going to destroy us or this planet. And sure as shit, it's born stellar as the didact. And he just like, he actually helps save them. You know, he helps to save the ring and, you know, and for born stellar, I think it's less about like, you know, the didact didact would have definitely probably seen the ring destroyed and not given it a second thought. Oh, but yeah. Cause he, born he stellar, the original didact hated the rings. He didn't born want born stellar definitely place. wanted to see if he could find his friends, his humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also I think he sees the value of the librarians work 
And I think he is definitely more uh, of a preservationist uh, persuasion. And so he wants to save the lives that are on that. He feels an obligation to do that, you know? So like, I, I really liked that moment when like he shows up and it's the die. And I was like, yeah, fucking board stole it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the, the, the fascinating thing of you, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but the, the forerunners who had basically been turned into like proto grave mines almost, but were still con like still had their consciousness uh, to an extent to, help operate the ring yeah they uh, were basically like put in a state where they could still function uh but they were definitely like flood infected and it was just a matter of time for them to kind of lose control but they were used basically as like the 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 physical like controllers which I think at the time was because I think like as much as he thought as much as Chalk has thought he still was a person, I think by that point he already was a monitor. And I think yeah, he was a projection yeah. much like because earlier in the book, there is a monitor that is projecting itself as a forerunner. And that they couldn't tell. And all these people were made up and all these things were projected by monitors. Uh, so I think at that point he had already become a monitor. And that was why they needed the the infected forerunners to do what they did because mm. he physically could not he was yeah. already a monitor mm. yeah that's what i yeah. think at least yeah it's I, I, fuzzy I think, I think it's fuzzy when the transition actually happens or at least from my perspective i never caught exactly when it happened but i think yeah. by that point he had already become a monitor uh, yeah it's it's definitely he doesn't bear doesn't make it clear because it he but makes it sound like point. I think that might be the point because Bear makes it sound like, to me at least, that Chalkus was like hovering and levitating and floating around next to Bornsteller as he was walking around the station, but made it sound like he was still in his body. He like, he made it sound like an out of body experience. Mm -hmm, yeah, but I think that might have been more of like a phantom limb kind of thing where he mm, could still yeah. feel his body. Because he'd been so used to it, and he was mm -hmm. not yet used to his current form. But he also talked about a lot of stuff, like uh, you know, basically he like thinking in a lot of ways and talking in a lot of ways as if he was, you know, a machine intelligence. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, think, I, I, th yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. I think when they pulled them, I think that's what it was. That's what the hole was. Mm -hmm. Is I don't think that was them realizing. I think that's basically like where their monitor was projecting them. Not necessarily okay. like a physical hole in their back, but that's like where the monitor projection was. Hmm. And like maybe they just radiated out from there kind of thing. And yeah. so it felt empty, but like, you know, they didn't know because they don't know there's a fucking monitor behind them because they, you know, it's like look trying to look at your own eyes. Right, right. You know. But, but yeah, it's, I, I guess the last thing I really have to talk about, and we already talked about how Spark takes over the ship, but I do love how the crew's like, okay, he's a problem. Jettison him out into space. So they jettison his physical form. But and before that, Spark was like, nope, nope, I'm just going to go in the systems and then I'll just live on, whatever. <laughs> so the whole time they're doing these interrogations, he keeps getting into the system and like they're all talking and they're all like, hey, you know, this guy can get through every firewall we have. We can't stop him if he wants to do something. And they're like, well, let's just keep listening a little longer. And they're like, I think this is a bad idea. And so at the end, because like, you know, 
you know, Guilty Spark is looking at he he wants a proper burial for all the people that are inside him. So he requests it and they say no. And then they demand him be jettisoned. And I think that might have been what really pissed him off. <laughs> and so like the captain of the ship is like, throw him out. And they're like, didn't you jettison that thing? And they're like, he's in the computer. <laughs> <laughs> And he's just like, hello, I'm your new AI, 343 <laughs> Guilty Spark. We're going on an adventure today. <laughs> oh, Can you find my friend the map? <laughs> the cartographer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any other specific things you want to talk about with the book? Or No, I mean, I... It's like you said, like there's the book is long and there's a lot to it, but there's not a ton to say. It's just mm. kind of an experience. It's a journey, you know, and it's, you know, it's it's the destination. You know, and, and there's a lot of payoff there, and I really enjoy that part. Uh, I think I enjoyed it more, ha- you know, with it being an audiobook. Uh, because having Tim Dabo and, and having him kind of, you know, do what he did was incredible. Um, yeah, there's not a lot without kind of getting into the nitty gritty moments and like, you know, there's, I don't think this is a book that necessarily like needs to be picked apart in the same way that like a uh, cryptum does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Or in the same context, because Cryptum was the first book, and it's like, you know, a lot of stuff got answered in this one. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. you know, so I'm really just excited to kind of see what Silentium is like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to jump into it again. And I'm excited. I'm excited to jump into the second trilogy that we're going to jump into because yeah. I think you're going to enjoy that trilogy a ton (laughs) so that sounds um, like fun to me yep yep so so yeah that's that's halo primordium uh next up is halo salentium the final book in the forerunner trilogy by greg bear so um go ahead and get the audio book get the physical book get the ebook go ahead and start reading uh that episode where we talk about uh, that book will be September 26th. Um, as is custom, we talk about these on the last Sunday of the month. Um, so, so yeah, Halo Salentium. And then if you want to get a jump start, if you finish uh, Salentium early and want to get a jump start on October. So for October, we're doing two books um, because the first book was originally a short novella, which was in uh, Halo, I believe it was Halo Fractures, uh, the short story collection. Uh, That is Halo Smoke and Shadow by Kelly Gay. Um, That takes us into uh, modern Halo. So like uh, Halo 4, Halo 5 timeline. Uh, So Smoke and Shadow is less than 100 pages. So it's it's very short. so we're going to, we have to figure out when we want to do that one uh, in October, maybe like the second Sunday that month. And then, yeah, uh, we'll the, just the do book. a double, a double dose, double dose, do, 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 so, do, do, double dose of book, double book, dose. book club, blub, blub, <laughs> blub, blub, indeed. Uh, yeah. Club, so, blub, blub, dub, dub. So Smoke and Shadow, and then if you want to get a jump start on the second book that we'll be reading in October, that is Halo Renegades, which is a direct sequel to Smoke and Shadow. So 
uh, Smoke and Shadow, Renegades, and Point of Light are the Kelly Gay trilogy. Um, and they are all direct sequels to each other. And again, all of this stuff has... Similar to this trilogy, this one has some modern impacts that we'll have a good chance of seeing uh, at least some of in Infinite. So, um, so yeah, that is next on the list. So October is Smoke and Shadow and Renegades. And then November will be Point of Light, uh, which is the final book in that trilogy. And that will take us directly into Halo Infinite on December 8th. Which I think we're going to take that month off. Yes. We're going to yes. take a month off from the book club, but expect a Halo Infinite spoiler cast to maybe fill that gap. I would be surprised if there wasn't one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we got everything planned out through November, December will be a month off. Enjoy your holidays, but then January we're going to come back with something. And Ross, I think we should try a not halo book again. It's going to be hard, but I think we, we can do it, especially, we let it die. <laughs> especially if I'm doing audiobooks. it becomes That's true. way it, it, easier. Yeah. I bet yeah. that Bioshock book would have been really good as an audiobook. Yeah, I bet so. You can I go bet to that Audible. That would have been really good. You can go to Audible.com and, and play a sample of it and see if the narration would have been good. It would have uh, been good if they got like the voice of Atlas or something. That would have been good, yeah. Or Andrew um, Ryan. Yeah, just not Frank Fontaine. I'd like Atlas, the voice actor for Atlas better and Ryan better than Fontaine. But that's it. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully, uh, you read along with us and. Uh, got some enjoyment out of this kind of uh, book club. And uh, if you didn't read Primordium, go to Halopedia, read the summary. You absolutely have to read Silentium. More stuff happens in that book than I can remember. It's a very busy book, but it is a very action-packed book. So, um, so yeah. I'm excited. I already so, have it. I used my credit last month for it. So hey, I'm good. I've got there go. it. There we go. Um, so yeah, thanks, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll catch you all on the next book club. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.